Lauren, how did you do during the pre-release? Bad. Oh. Level two judge from Georgia. With me, as always, my my two up to date co host co horses. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Did you just call me a horse? A co horse. A co horse. Yeah. I think I don't even know what that means, but I guess well, I'm see, a co horse. I accidentally said co horse, and then I was like, Nah, co horse is way better. I'll just roll with it. <laughs> right. And if you complain too much, we're gonna turn you into glue. <laughs> co glue. All right. Co- and we also have Brian Proman. Yes. Hello. Nay. Yo, you could, uh, you could. Hello there, it. CJ. Uh, did you know you can mate a wolf and a coyote and you get a koi wolf? It's a true story. I looked that up on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, hold on. Did you look this up on Wikipedia or did you just end up there after I ended up on... there. Okay. I, I, I was looking up coyote attacks. the article on Wikipedia just to prove a point <laughs> he started out with like the liger like finding trying to find out what type of combat skills it had and then ended up on the oh, what did you call it the yeah, koi wolf. the koi the wyote koi i like i like wyote more <laughs> did you know a zebra and a donkey is a zadonk <laughs> a just donks what oh oh Watch out there, buddy. A zebra and a dog. I live within I live within driving distance now, so oh, I'll, I'll come. Wait. I'll come put the, bring the smack down. Hold on, hold on. I think I want to see that. I'm gonna try and get in enough insults to make you drive. <laughs> because I know that that's like a nine hour drive. Also known as a zebroid or zonky. <laughs> hey, so this is the inaugural episode of Judgecast Southeast. No, it's not. It is. No, it's not. <laughs> I, you said I it. am no. and forever will be a Southwest judge. So Okay, we'll and, call it Judge Cast South. And then. if you mix a monkey <laughs> and if you mix a monkey with a zebra, you get a chimpanzebra. That's not true. You look you it up can't. on look it up on Wikipedia. It's not a real thing. You can't mix <laughs> those two. Sure you can. But I mean it's gotta be the monkey mates with the male monkey mates with the zebra, because if you do it the other way around, you have all sorts of problems. I'm afraid I'll... if I try to search for chimpanzebra on Wikipedia, it's just gonna redirect me to gullible. All right. Offspring of a donkey sire and zebra dam called a zebra hinny or donkra do exist, but are rare. <laughs> okay. Anyway, are judge they, cast. Are they I don't think this has anything to do with our topic. Well, we're going to morph. Oh, I thought we were talking about good names for Godzilla villains. Oh, donkra is a good one. <laughs> Godzilla versus donkra. Donkra. That actually sounds like a good name for a villain in a like Godzilla parody. Oh, uh, yeah. Sequel <laughs> Pacific Rim too. It's yeah. Oh man! So here's the thing about Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim is actually one of my favorite movies. I enjoyed it a lot because it's one of the stupidest movies I have ever seen. Yeah. That was so awesome I didn't care. Yes. Like it was. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. You're like, like wow, none of this is believable at all, but it's so cool. <laughs> Speaking of things that are cool, policy updates, man. So it's become a little bit of a tradition for JudgeCast. Uh, to uh, after the FAQ episode to have an episode where we catch up on emails and we talk about the very few policy updates that came out. We got a few more policy updates than normal this time, but uh, that's the episode we're gonna have. We we don't like we don't plan it. You know, it's not something we set out to do is have this episode after the FAQ. But after every FAQ, we're like, oh wait, we need to have this episode now because of yeah. the FAQ. You yeah. think we would just plan it? Well, it's because they come out a week apart. So it's yeah. like we either have to delay the FAQ or delay the policy. And the FAQ episodes are getting longer. 
I mean, yeah. we're not limited resources like six hours long. Six hours. They recorded it over two days. That that was that was massive. Yeah. It took me a week to listen. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're gonna go through all these cards so you can listen to it all before the pre-release. No. Right. No. I was still listening to it last, you know, yesterday. All right. So, all right. So, uh, morph. Yeah. So let's talk about the. I think the thing that's gonna come up the most in competitive. Oh, and we should mention we're talking about policy updates to the IPG, so competitive events. Yeah, the NTR uh, didn't really have a whole lot. It was just no. Like, this set rotated out. This set rotated in. Got it. Okay, good. And the jar had an update that was basically players should be nice to each other, and if they're not, you should handle it. Yeah, it 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 basically just it the update provides guidance on how to handle when you have unruly players as opposed yeah. to as opposed to just strict being like before everything was like hugs or DQ, you know, either they're there everything's okay or cheater get out. Now there's there's this more of this area where it's like, hey, you know, you can actually talk to them and convince them that things aren't uh uh, uh, that they are not doing things properly, and then if they continue, uh, you can you can show them the door. Yeah. So, listeners of Judge Castle, um, so we got basically we got some official policy. This isn't in the IPG, but this uh, this came out as well uh, on how to handle morph. Um, and listeners of Judge Castle say this sounds very familiar because I think this is exactly where we landed when we discussed it. Um, so basically, if a player um, if a player wins the game shuffles his face down cards into his library and uh and then you know the opponent calls the judge that player has now lost that game so his opponent wins the game um if a player loses a game shuffles his face down permanence into his cards that player still has now lost that game we give him a game loss because this is the upgraded game rule violation for a quote-unquote failure to reveal uh, but and even though it doesn't really matter uh we still give the game loss there yeah and, and just to clarify there is no Failure to reveal is not a separate infraction. It's just a GRV upgrade. Right, right. So, so basically, it's and this this is freaking people out. But it's really not going to happen as much as you think because normally people are going to when they scoop all their cards up, they kind of have a tendency to want them all in the same direction. So, just people's natural inclination is going to be to flip those things over. Not so necessarily, can... actually. Well, uh, I said their inclination. I mean, my inclination... So I actually have a problem with this personally. I'd yeah. be very careful about it. Because my inclination, uh, what I normally do is I scoop my cards, I flip them over, put them on the bottom of my library. Yeah. And so that leaves that leaves the morph card face down if I do it that way. So I actually have to change my habit to make sure I don't end up with game losses from, from doing this stupid thing. In fact, I think I actually did this at pre-release. Thank God it was regular REL. Um, but yeah, that's a thing I did. The pre-release, by the way, it was awesome fun. So 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 the question is okay so why why can we get away why can we get away with giving them the game loss uh, uh, so let me let me back up for just a second so about two weeks ago there was an email where it was like hey uh, this went out on the forums hey we've talked about it this was from Scott Marshall L5 who was like we've talked about it and right now it's going to be you apply the game loss in whichever way is necessary to make it a real penalty. So if they which, won... Which was interesting because that's actually not how the policy was. But yeah, right. Was, right. Yeah. So that was, that was the statement. It was, it was if they won, they lost. And if they lost, well, they're going to lose the game, the next game in the next match. So, and people, and at the time that was like, okay, well that addresses the, the cheating thing. So here's, here's the, here's the thing. So let's just think about if, how it's okay 
the that the current policy is you just lose whatever game. Okay, people are, people are concerned. Well, what about cheaters? It's like okay, well, um, if you are cheating, okay, presumably you are cheating to try and win. So you're going to play your face down island as a morph creature, okay, and then you win. You have to now reveal that morph card, okay, and if you don't, you lose. Okay, but if you do reveal it, I mean, if you reveal it and it's an island, there's going to be an investigation. If you don't reveal it, you're going to lose. So really, there's no incentive. I mean, the, in the, the incentive in cheating is to win. There's no incentive to do this. And right. it's really easy. Like, if it dies, if it gets shocked or, 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 or you know, bolted in some form or fashion, it dies in combat, it's going to be pretty easy to figure out that that thing wasn't an actual morph creature. So the potential for uh, uh, advantage uh, uh, as an intentional cheat is, is actually kind of eh. And to clarify, uh, if you do reveal it and it's an island, you're still going to get a game loss. Yes. It's not like you can, you know, get out of this by, oh, oh, it was an accident. Yes, it was. You're still going to get a game loss. Yeah. It's like, oh, I knew, you know, I didn't, I didn't know it was an island. Right. We'll ask some questions. All right. So let's talk about the changes to uh, when both players get a game loss. So both of them scoop up. It's limited. Hey, it's GP Orlando. Okay, we finish our game. We both have morph creatures. We both scoop our stuff up. Uh, well, we just we just both got game losses, right? Right. Uh, so what happens? Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Finish that, and then I have a question. Well, I, I was kind of setting up for the... Okay, so... So in the, nope. recently, like a policy change or two ago, there was this policy change that said, hey, in a deck deckless problem, if both players get a game loss simultaneously, okay, in the in the example of, you know, I've got your Oblivion Ring in my deck somehow, and so now I've got 61 cards and you've got 59, the, the, penal, the policy change was the penalties offset, to use a football term, uh, for you magic players, football is a sport that takes place outside oh. during the cooler months involving roughly Apparently in Alabama, very much in Alabama. <laughs> and you will you better get like a, a, a roll tide bumper sticker on your car or something. Or you're going to get shot. Now, I've um, heard the term fantasy football. Does that involve orcs or uh, it, dragons in any way? It's a it's a it's a spinoff of Clash of Clans. Oh. So let me tell you what fantasy football is. Fantasy so, football is RPGs for sports nerds. Oh, okay. It, they are. That's basically what it is. They are. Yes, and Civil War reenactors is just LARPing for the historical people yep. like history. Yes. So the penalties offset. So we both we re record the fact that you got a game loss for deck deckless problem, but since both of the players got game losses at the same time, it's essentially a push, where that game is over okay, and you start another game and you just don't count that game that you both lost for the purpose of result of of recording the match result. Okay, now they've taken that chunk of the policy out of deck deckless problem and just applied it to all game loss infractions or all game loss penalties in general. Which that are applied is, to, to both players. Applies to both players, yes. So if if both players simultaneously get game losses, 
for whatever reason. Okay? Like both for forgetting to reveal their morph. Like both forgetting to reveal their morph at the end. It's a push. Okay, you, that game that game is over. It doesn't count. Both players lost it. You don't record that game on the match slip, and you go on and you start playing game four. So what happens if? So let's say uh, I shock my opponent's island that's face down, and he puts it in the graveyard and goes, "Oh crap, that's an island!" Uh, and so he's going to get a game loss, right? Right. Yes. So then the judge comes over and issues a game loss, and I go. Okay, well, I guess we're moving on to the next game, and I scoop up all my cards, except that I had a face-down morph that I have now not revealed. Okay. So I'm going to get a game loss, even though those weren't issued at exactly the same time, or is that game also going to be a push? Uh, I would say no, because those aren't simultaneous. I would say yes, because they're still during the exact same game. No. Yeah, a game isn't over until you reveal your morphs. That's the whole point of this policy. So even though that guy got a game loss, the game is not yet over until you reveal your morphs. Well, the, fa- or- the, the way this works, interestingly, is that even though I just won the game, because I committed that infraction, I'm going to have just lost the game. So we both got game losses in the same game. Yeah. So this All definitely right. is going to cause this, this penalty to, even though they yeah. were committed at exactly the same moment, this All game right. is going to be a push. I was looking at it more as in the committing it simultaneously, in which case they I mean, did not. But yeah, right, I, can see your, I can see your point. But they're getting game losses in the same game, which is yeah, they are. which is the relevant thing here. All right, you convince me. Hooray. Hooray. Um, I only bring that up because I can actually see it happening. Once. Ugh. Um, so just just to make it clear, if Brian and I were playing each other, Brian is up. He, he wins game one. Game two, we both have uh, some issue where we both get game losses. We're going to move on into game three. Uh, so Brian, if Brian wins that, he wins the match. If I win it, we have to go on into game four and so on and so forth. Because that it's like that game where we both got a game loss just didn't happen. Yep. And also, if Brian and I are playing against each other, it's game one. We both have a situation where we both receive a game loss. We go into game two. Um, as long as we started game one, uh, we will get to sideboard in game two. And who gets to choose who goes first? We both lost that game. The player who decided in the previous game. Cool. So, I think that's everything. Yep, yep pretty much. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, the mysterious section 1.4. Yeah. Ooh, so excited about this new policy here that we've got. Section 1.4. It was, it was it's, teased. It's brand new. Never seen before. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a letdown. It really was. Yeah. So... <laughs> They they broke out backing up into their into its own section. Um, basically, how, how the philosophy behind doing rewind. So in previous sections uh, for GRV and CPV, do there CPV CPVs. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. Which which one is it now? It um, is CPV. It is CPV. For once in my life. No, it's Becky. No, it's Becky. Oh. <laughs> It's all the Swifties out there are laughing over that. Yeah. Um, I'm Homan. So uh, where was I? Ah, yes, backing up. Um, so it was written down uh, like how to do a backup in GRV and CPV. Uh, but what they did was they took that out there. They made it its own section now. And it expounds upon the philosophy more about backing up and gives you kind of guidelines as to how far to go now backing up can can there's an infinite number of possible game states that could happen where the point from the the error occurred here and it was detected here at some point later in the future um there's an infinite number of combinations and permutations so they just provide basic guidelines um uh on how to do that so do we want to go over those or 
how to back up or just like what the what the specific guidelines are yeah let's just go over the gist of it um what, what are you looking at the, well looking at? okay so backing up again is something that only the head judge can do uh so if you're if you're a floor judge and you encounter a game rule violation uh and you want to back up uh, you need to go talk to the head judge. Or at larger events, uh, the head judge may delegate um, for the team lead. Uh, when you are going to back up, um, things that what you are going to need to do is you're going to reverse every single action, okay, up to the point of error. Yeah, so backing up is an, is an all or nothing ordeal. Yes. Now, uh, just to jump back over to game rule violations for a second. Uh, previous incarnations of the IPG was you <coughs> you either left the game as it is or you backed up. And if you made the decision not to back up, you applied the three partial fixes that were in mm-hmm. game rule violation. Now that's no longer the case. Okay, Before it was you either make the decision to back up or not, and then if you uh, don't back up, you apply the partial fixes. Now it's you apply the partial fixes... And then if you need to back up, uh, uh, or sorry, you make the determination as to whether or not uh, uh, applying the partial fix will address the issue. And then if it does, if it won't, then you, you then you consider whether or not to back up or go forward. Okay. Or uh, not back up or go forward, back up or <laughs> back up or leave as is. Yeah, we usually don't say, well, this game state's pretty messed up. Let's jump forward a let's, turn. Let's jump forward. See where that gets us. <laughs> let's jump forward to the point where you've lost. How's that? <laughs> uh, did you fail to reveal that morph? Um... Yeah, so yeah, so right now for GRVs, if the infraction falls into one of the following categories, and then it lists the three partial fix, perform the fix specified. Otherwise, you may consider backing up or leave the game state as it is. Um, now, for backups themselves, uh, so really, we don't really like doing backups, or, or at least the policy kind of solidified that backups are generally regarded as a solution, a last resort. And the phraseology in the IPG is you only apply them in situations where leaving the game in the current state is substantially worse than backing up. Because because you can actually, you can screw up rewinds, you know, like, uh, untap those lands and you get the lands wrong. Or yeah. you, you go like, oh, well, the guy just cast a brainstorm uh, with the wrong mana. Surely we can we can back up and rewind through that. It's like, well, if he's got a fetch land... Uh, yeah. he, he can, you can actually change the whole decision trees by doing a rewind. So yeah, I really, I really like this sentence in it. Um, a good backup will result in a situation where the gained information makes no difference and the line of play remains the same, accepting the error, which has been fixed. Uh, this means limiting backups to situations with minimal decision trees. I like that. I think that's a good summary of, of what we're looking for. Yep. Like if you're, if you're going to do, if you're going to back up the game, and the game could proceed down a completely different path now, or even not even completely different, just su- sufficiently different, then no, don't do it. Uh, remember, both players are responsible for paying attention to the game state. Uh, both players are supposed to be watching what's going on, making, you know, watching what the other person is doing. Uh, so there is, if your opponent makes an error, you have some responsibility in how long it goes before you point that out. You're able to point that out. Yeah, so kind of as an example, uh, particularly with the fetch lands back, so say player A, you know, makes some basic GRV, casts a spell for the wrong mana, right? Um, passes the turn, his opponent draws a card, and then at that moment we realize the mistake. Well, normally 
uh, I'd probably still be okay backing that up normally uh, because all we're going to do is take a card from random. We're going to go back to the incorrectly correct cast spell, probably tap the right mana, and things will probably progress back to where we were naturally. But if the uh, opponent in that case, the guy who drew a card, has like a fetch land, then we probably don't want to back up because then we're giving the player an opportunity to to fetch land that that card we put on top away if it's something he doesn't want because it may not necessarily have been the card that he actually drew right does everyone agree with that yeah yeah so just just be mindful be mindful of the decision trees and the various combinations and permutations where the gameplay when you do rewind you know the the game it's basic time travel right if you <laughs> go back in time basic time travel yeah it's basic time travel you know movie movie time travel if you go back in time you can do something slightly differently, and as you move forward, it has these ripple effects that drastically changes the way things go. You know, the butterfly effect, only applied to time travel. And you could end up uh, kissing your mom in the fish under the sea dance, and then yeah. you get out of a photo, and only playing Johnny B. Good can save you. Sure. Very, playing it very dramatically. <laughs> right. That scene was awesome. Come on. It was. It was very good. Like, uh, yeah, that that scene made the series for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you didn't you didn't like the uh, the uh, the Biff gunfight in Back to the Future Three? The search for Curly's gold. <laughs> what do you um when you're when you're pulling a gun out? What what do you what are you doing? What is that action? Drawing. Uh, drawing. Oh, let's talk about drawing extra cards. All right, well, there's a slight change. It's, Jess wouldn't have been able to answer that question before he moved to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so drawing cards had had a small change. A um, couple of couple of little changes. One that I, I've been actually fighting for. By fighting for, I mean complaining on IRC, not <laughs> actually going to Toby about it or trying to make it change at all. All right, so the first change. Uh, so it used to be drawing extra cards. If any gameplay error happened before the extra card was drawn then the infraction is not drawing extra cards. Uh, classic example, ca cast divination for white, 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 right? Well, a GRB happened, casting divination, so therefore the drawing of the two cards when divination resolves is not drawing extra cards because the GRB happened. Um, but the, the policy was pretty broad in that any GPE, any gameplay error had happened, yes. it is not drawing extra cards. So a totally unrelated mistrigger and then yeah. later on, you draw cards, you know. It was actually more, they, they were making, some people were making the argument that it's like, oh, well, if you draw really slowly, isn't that looking at extra cards before you draw the extra yeah, card? Yeah, I never fell like, for that one. No, you don't fall for that, but this is more like, you you, you people, shut up. <laughs> uh, so the point is, the change now is, it is uh, only... Uh, it's the correct word here isn't downgraded. It's just another infraction. But we only apply this if it was a game rule violation specifically, or uh, a communication policy violation specifically that happened before. Those are the only two things that are going to get a player out of drawing extra cards. So my divination example is still good. That still works. Yes. But other gameplay errors do not count. The the other thing is, oh, I get to draw cards equal to the highest converted mana cost of permanence you control. What's your highest converted mana cost? And the guy's like, four. Wait, 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 no, three. But it's as you realize it's three after you've already drawn the four cards. Right. Um, also, uh, you can still confirm with your opponent how many cards. So I'm supposed to draw, I'm drawing four cards. And they go, okay. And you go, okay. Yeah. Four cards. 
Um, and then one other thing, right? Yeah, so here's the one I, I've been wanting uh, is, so we already had a, a downgrade path for if the identity of the card was known to all players before play, being placed in hand. Uh, a lot of people misuse that one, but we already had that downgrade path. Now we also have the downgrade path of if the card was placed into an empty hand and the card can be returned to the correct zone with minimal disruption, you can also downgrade the penalty to a warning. Um, that's exciting. I've had to give a drawing extra cards game loss where a guy, the extra card was the only card in the guy's hand and it felt bad, man. Yeah. So, nah. so this is, so this is not the, you know, people use the phrase uniquely identifiable, right? Uh, the phrase uniquely identifiable, uh, applies to, um, uh, basically yeah. if, uh, yeah, it's the game rule violation. Like if I can, if I tutor for a card and I put it on the top of my lap, I'm supposed to reveal it. The, the, the classic example is worldly tutor. If I tutor for a card, reveal it, or I'm supposed to reveal it, and I don't, I put it on the top of my library, and then I draw it later. That card, at one point, was uniquely identifiable. It's sitting right there on the top of the library. The opponent can say, hey, I'm supposed to know what that card is, and I don't. Let me see it, judge. Yeah. Okay, that's uniquely identifiable. So, or, or if I'm if I search for a card, I'm supposed to go get a land, reveal it, and put it in my hand, like with Cultivate or something like that. And I just put the card in my hand, and it's into an empty hand. Well, the opponent can look at the card and say, "That card right there, I'm supposed to know what it is." Right. Okay. And that's that's uniquely identifiable. Uniquely identifiable is not a clause that applies to drawing extra cards. Although now it kind of overlaps with it. Yeah. Whereas if it's the only card in hand, it's like, oh, it's uniquely identifiable. No, no, no. You know, you know the card that he drew. It's that card right there. There so is no confusion, no ambiguity. Um, so let me ask you guys this, because I don't, I'm not 100 sure. So say instead of I, I accidentally having placed one extra card in hand with no other cards in my hand, what if I had accidentally placed two cards in hand with no other cards in hand? Uh, let me go find the exact wording. I think you're, I think you're good. So, um, uh, we're just drawing extra cards. Um, see, the identity of the card was known to all players before being placed in the, uh, if the identity of the card was known to all players before being placed in hand or was placed into an empty hand. So, yeah. so if you're supposed to draw one card and you draw two, that's no. No, that's no good. Yeah, but if you're supposed to draw zero cards and you draw two cards... Right. Uh, I'd probably say that Phil, it's, it's the same thing. It's draw. It's, can, yeah, because they can still be returned to the correct zone with minimal disruption. You know, you probably just put them on top, probably shuffle them. That seems pretty minimal to me. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, a couple more. Uh, improper draw at the start of game. This is an easy one. Uh, drawing too few cards at the start of a game used to be improper draw at the start of game that I doubt anyone has ever given. Um, but uh, GRV already had a partial fix that basically says... If you didn't draw a card, draw Draw a card. now. Yeah. So there was no reason for Improper Draw at Starry Game to handle this. So Improper Draw at Starry Game no longer handles this. It is now handled by a game rule violation. Um, if, so if so I... does that change the window in which this can be done? So what I mean by that is, uh, so I draw six cards instead of seven for my opening hand. I decide I'll mm -hmm. keep my opponent's on the play. He goes to play. Uh, he plays his entire turn. And at the end of his turn, I go, wait, I only have six cards and I call a judge. Uh, well, I mean, there's no, there's no time expiration for that, uh, for that, uh, uh, infraction. Yeah, but was or there? that infraction. What's that? Was there before? 
Uh, there right, well, that, at that point, we couldn't. We could no longer apply improper drawing at start of game, and and now it, it's clearly in GRV territory. So, um, so it's right. interesting. Well, you'd still get the card. I mean, just draw the card. They get the partial fix to draw the card. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not. It's not like oh, it's too late. Now, if it had been like three turns, and he's like, oh, I only drew six, and he'd be like, eh, prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's basically that the the. Yes, the partial fix doesn't have an expiration, but your ability to prove that you are down a card goes down as the game moves on. So, hey, speaking of a partial fix not having an expiration, uh, that's the last change, is the partial fix for a card in a, in a, in a zone it's not supposed to be in. <clears throat> Used to have a, uh, a uh, what's the word, duration of uh, within a turn. Now, it's not. It no longer has that turn limit. As long as, as long as you can do it without disrupting the game state, you're good to go. Yep. Yeah, and that's actually... I'm very glad to see that, because that one was misapplied in that way already constantly, and then it just didn't make sense half the time when you were like, well, I could return this, but it's been too long. Um, yeah, it, there were a lot of times on, like, judge tests, I'll be like, I was like, oh, I was like, one of these has a limit for some reason. Oh, right, it's the... Re- turn the you know the return the wrong zone one and it's just like it doesn't need it yeah and again that's that's it's the card is going to a zone and goes to the incorrect zone not it's supposed to stay where it is and goes to a zone a wrong zone or goes to the wrong zone and it's supposed to stay where it is okay the the big example is i'm going to i'm supposed to exile you and i put you in the graveyard yeah and in which case the partial fix is you just pick it up and move it two inches to the right and drop it down. Only if it's not too disruptive. <laughs> Bloop. Bloop. I mean, maybe like Termogoyf mid-combat after they've been figuring stuff out. Maybe. You know, yeah. So, All right. So that's, that's our policy updates. Whee. Uh, so we're going to now get caught up on some emails. Uh, we're going to be focusing on emails about the new cards because I think that's what people will care about the most. Isn't that what you all care about? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Definitely care about the new cards. I also care about what time it is if we're doing mail. 1017. 1017. That's not what I meant. It's time for the. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, I was like, well, it's 917 for you now. Mailbird. Mail time. All right, let's go through these emails then. We will. We'll go through them hastily. Uh, another, we have an email from Eric E. Uh, I apologize for calling him a stalker last episode. <laughs> it was a joke. No, it um, wasn't. It wasn't a joke. Uh, Hi, Eric. Hello, Eric. Just so he has a question. Now. What? That is no nothing, relation to this email. Nothing. All right. So he has a uh, quick rules question after saying some nice things about us. Uh, he wants to know about Mardu Ascendancy, and specifically, he wants to know about the triggered ability that says, whenever a non-token creature you control attacks, put a 1-1 red goblin creature token onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Uh, his friend believes that Mardu Ascendancy, if you have it and you attack with two bear cubs, you would get one token, while Eric believes you would get two tokens. Who is right? Ooh. Yeah, you go ahead, Brian. All right. So Mardu Ascendancy says... Uh... Whenever a non-token creature uh, you control attacks, put a plus one, uh, sorry, put a plus one, put a one, one red goblin creature token. Okay. Okay. So the key here is whenever a non-token creature you control attacks. 
So I attack with two creatures. Hey, I got I got two triggers. So I'm gonna get two dudes. So how would it be worded if if it only triggered once? Uh, whenever, uh, whenever you, I'd, I'd have to look at like that the the blocking guy. Uh, where it's like whenever a creature you control blocks or whenever it becomes blocked or something like that. Uh, whenever I don't know, man. <laughs> it's late. It's yeah, it's, it's something like whenever this on me. I probably whenever you attack with one or more creatures would be my yeah. Guess. All right, let's go our next email. Oh, this is a weird one. All right, uh, it's from Josh from Florida. It oh. says, "Hello, favorite judge cast. Uh, I'm an L1 judge who hasn't been able to judge anything competitive in close to a year. I'm also a newish listener and I've been busy catching up on your podcast. Listen to about 30 episodes in two months or so. We have a lot of people doing that right now. Jeez. Just yeah, we have a, we have a lot of people binge listening. So first of all, by the way, thank you for that. If you are listening to this yeah. and powering through all of those episodes, oh my God, I could not stand my voice that long. So thank you. I, don't know what uh, talking about. I love listening to. Yeah, me. he loves my voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got, got me. Uh, but yeah, like, um, so seriously, thank you for listening through all those. We, we've actually had a lot more interest in the show recently, and I'm really appreciative of that. We have, which is why we got so far behind on emails. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a lot of emails. <clears throat> all right. So he says, I have uh, I have good knowledge of the CR, but my IPG usage is a little rusty. Where is the best place to bone up on the IPG? Best place to find good examples of fixes for situations. Um He's also concerned about our older, older older episodes being out of date, and that is completely a valid concern. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to go back and, and update every one of them. Every time you know, we, we shouldn't update them, but maybe we could go through and add a tag for, like, out-of-date policy. That's, but but the... it might not necessarily be all out-of-date. Well, no, but I mean, like, just a tag that, like, like a spoiler warning for, for a lot of things have, except backwards. Um, anyway, so, uh, it would be really nice if, like, there was some kind of place you could go for examples of the IPG and, like, where, yeah. it, where it explained each section. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, hmm. maybe somebody should make that. Brian, what do you think? I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> somebody should get someone, on that. Someone should totally get on that. Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't think such a thing exists right now. <laughs> Brian, I solely read this email for you to play. Oh, so. okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yay. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so a project that I've I've uh, I'm the lead on that uh, has uh, been plugged a few times on this show. And if you're on IRC or Facebook, I tend to uh, drop the, the, the name of it quite frequently. Um, it's on the wiki. Uh, it's called the annotated IPG. Uh, annotated underscore IPG. You can go to the wiki, search for it, and basically what it is, it's every sentence in the IPG with like a paragraph description of what that sentence means in real, real speak. Uh, even to the point where in the backup it says, you know, it's like, you undo a shuffle by shuffling a library. It's like, oh, really? Okay, that's how you, yeah, I had to come up with something to describe that as well. So uh, it's it's very very thorough. Uh, if you are if you are reading parts of the IPG and you just don't quite understand what it's saying, what it's meaning, uh, I highly recommend going to the IPG or the AIPG. Give it a read, uh, and then uh, send me an email if it helped you or not, or if it didn't help, let me know. Like what we, what is it missing? Because we'll throw some stuff in there. 
Uh, it is current as of the most recent policy update, and normally I'm about a week behind when the new stuff comes yeah, out. That was the big thing I was about to add is it, it is actually kept up to date. Like, unlike a lot of the wiki, yeah, it is up to date. That's that's probably the like one of the things like it's like if you're gonna do something like this, keep it up to date. And uh, uh, a big shout out to uh, to Loic Loic. I actually have no idea how to pronounce his name because uh, I've only ever talked to him in email. He's a he's an L1 from uh, from France, and he translated the whole thing, and he peer reviews it. Like I'll get emails from him where he's like, "Hey, you said this." I think you meant to say this. And I'll look and I was like, uh, yeah, I, I used the wrong word there. Apparently, not only do I misspeak on Judge Cast, I mistype sometimes <laughs> as well. So uh, thank you, Loic, Loic, Leic, Loic, L-I-O with an umlau C. And the other resource I would recommend is Judge Cast. These episodes right here are another way to stay up to date with the IPG. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I tag them all IPG. IRC is not bad either. Uh, no, not at all. On there, you go on there. You got a question? Ask it. There's 50 judges who are who are willing to talk about all of that and then argue as to what's considered harassment at uh, competitive REL. Over. We'll also talk about and, Dr. Mario top high scores. Uh, yes, they yes. will. Um, yeah. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we get we get quite a few rules emails, and that's that's perfectly fine. We don't mind that at all. But if you're if you're in a situation where you need a fast answer, like we may take up to a week or two months uh, to reply to your your question. Um, let's, but the let's be real. You're playing on cockatrice. Yeah, you're playing on cockatrice. You need an answer. Um, Chat.magicjudges.org. I I would say 90% of questions asked there are answered in, in under five minutes, even though it's entirely a volunteer thing. Um, I would say, okay, let me oh, just man, hit that with that. Man, I, from now I have to, to make five. my goal to go drive that statistic down with hard questions. <laughs> you, yeah, it's you probably don't higher than that. It's probably 90% of the questions are answered within one minute. Yeah, from, from 8, I'll say from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. because that's when I'm on there. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. I don't know about, you know, midnight, but there are, you know, international judges in there. So you'll, you'll get an answer. Just be patient. So anyway, what were we talking about? Did we answer his question? Yes, yes, we answered his question. All right, so we got another email from Anon Planeswalker. And this isn't even a question, but it's so weird I decided to read it. <clears throat> from Ogratha. <laughs> the plane has been rocked over the colossal whale debacle. The aether, aether is unraveling due to the discrepancies between the species' appearance and its physical prowess. I believe there may be some misconceptions, and I feel like they may be able to restore peace to the realm. I implore you to listen to my reasoning and see if we can effect some change. The old saying, it's not the size of the hound in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the hound, can apply vigorously to this issue. The colossal whale may be large in stature, but may not be the strongest or hardiest of beasts, or whales, I mean. On these magical planes in which we duel, animals aren't always what they seem. So a colossal whale may be a gigantic creature, but it may not hold up as well against combust as a shorter sun titan can. It may not be able to coordinate precise attacks due to its bulky body. Creatures have trouble avoiding its large gaping jaws when caught by surprise. However, hardier creatures can do well at besting it in combat when given the warning. I believe that through education, we can help calm down the raveling of the walkers. Judging creatures by more than just their outward appearance can keep help keep walkers safe. 
The Fable of the Deadly Recluse and Emrakul would be a good pamphlet to, to help disseminate this information. When the great Emrakul doubted the power of the lowly Deadly Recluse based on its small appearance, its reign of terror was cut short. The Deadly Recluse came out of hiding and kamikazed itself into Emrakul in thanks to the mana sources that burned the spider that were annihilated. A little convoluted, but good for starting the conversation. Yeah, that was weird. Wow. I had to read that because the guy wrote it. Wow. This mysterious planeswalker. That was like, a, that was a lot of mouthfuls. Uh, I, I like it's awesome, page. but wow. Okay. <laughs> and I dis and I disagree with all of it. The cloth. Oh, I disagree whale, entirely. The cloth whale, whale should be bigger. Right. It craps bigger than Emrakul. I mean, really. But I I really enjoyed the fable there. So that was the main thing that put it over the edge. Uh, our next email is much shorter to help us gain back that time. Uh, it's from Zach, and he says, where can I find the JudgeCast Kickstarter? So I don't know if this email is a joke or not, but maybe we should be clear that the Kickstarter is a joke. We have not actually made a Kickstarter. Um, if if we ever do, we'll 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 make that very clear. Is this is this preppy from IRC? I don't know. How would I know that? I don't know. I know oh, okay. His, his name, I think his name is Zach. But anyway, yeah, there's there's not one yet. All right, so Eric, he is back with a few questions about Meandering Tower Shell. Uh, he actually asked this before we did the FAQ show, but I've seen a lot of questions on this card, so I think I think a little rehash is good. <clears throat> First off, so Meandering Tower Shell, the important part reads, whenever Meandering Tower Shell attacks, exile it. Return it to the battlefield under your control, tapped and attacking at the beginning of the declare attacker step on your next turn. Eric's first question, can you voluntarily skip combat entirely to have it not come back? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> this is... It starts off easy. It gets harder. Um, yeah, so even if you choose to declare no attackers, it's still going to come back in as an attacker, and you're still going to have your com- uh, the rest of your combat like yeah. you normally would. So, so what happens What happens when... Um, so if you just... If you say go, if you draw mm-hmm. your card and just say go, what combat phase... I mean, I don't have any attackers. What, 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 what phases and steps do I go through for combat? Do you mean when you don't have a meandering tower shell hanging out out there? Yeah, when I don't okay. have a meandering tower shell. You'll have beginning of combat, declare attackers, and end of combat. You will skip um, declare blockers and the combat damage step. Okay. So how does that change if I have a meandering tower shell? Well, you'll have all of combat because yes. you'll have because like I said, you will have declare attackers. So he'll pop in attack, and then you'll have declare blockers and uh, combat, combat damage, damage like normal. Yay. <clears throat> All right, so his second question. If you skip your next turn, so after you attacked with the turtle, tower shell, turtle shell, that's a good name, and he has, uh, for lack of a better term, phased out. There are actually better terms. I am not at lack of a better term. Uh, and then you skip your next turn. Will you get him when you eventually do get another turn? If you skip the whole turn? If you skip the entire turn. Yeah, uh, yeah you're going to get him. Yes, you will get him. And then the final question, and I think we might have gotten this wrong on the FAQ episode, which is part of the reason why I wanted to bring it up. Pretty sure we did. Yeah. Um, so say you attacked with him your last turn, and then on your next turn, either some effect makes you skip your combat, or you use an effect like Sundial the Infinite or um, Time Stop to end your turn before, before attacking. Is the uh, tower shell permanently exiled? And the answer to that is yes. yes. Is gone. And that's that's where we messed up. Um, the reason why it's permanently exiled and doesn't just come back on the following turn is because the uh, the wording of the triggered ability here. It says, return it to the battlefield under your control, tapped and attacking at the beginning of the declared attacker step on your next turn. So it's waiting to see you have that next turn. And when you do have that next turn, it's waiting for the... De- 
the beginning of declare attacker step. But even if you've never reached that declare attacker step, you already had the next turn. So we're never going to return that creature. You have to skip the turn entirely for this to work. Yep. Cool. Two so, more. So that uh, that tower shell, I like that card from a flavor. I like them. It disappoints me every time I see one in a pack. But oh, sure. Because it could be a fetch, but... I, I like when they do cards like this. Me too. And then it's, he, fun. He always... it's, it's fun and it's different and it, it plays around with what's possible. And I always just think he's that turtle from NeverEnding Story. It is. And it's allergic to humans. Yes. <laughs> That's right. All right. Next email from Ben. That pause there is me um, double checking that I could actually say his name on air. I have just been listening to Limited Resources episode 251 and, and there uh, they are discussing prowess. Judge Joe Bono explains that you do not need to announce the trigger, which Marshall then raises some issues with when you then want to try and burn out their creature. I was hoping that you could just clarify what the correct process is and what each player should be reasonably expected to do as far as announcing and presumption of missed triggers is concerned. I just didn't find that they explained it all that clearly. So, yeah, I guess I should send out another reminder that limited resources. I mean, Judge, I, I'm not saying anything bad about Judge Joe, but limited resources is not a, a rules episode a rule show and if they mess something up with the rules they have no impetus to correct themselves like we just did i mean that's not that's not the main focus of their show um also they they have to be a lot briefer than we do because they are not um you know like he had to squeeze morph into that episode and they're just trying to cover a lot fewer things they also do it before the faq comes out so they don't have all the information yet so so let's so let's say i and you can you can use in a lot of ways you can you can replace prowess with exalted or mm -hmm. or or your favorite your favorite uh, uh uh what what's one of the other ones um uh the ability where it's like plus one it got plus one plus zero oh when it attacked uh, for each attacking creature or gave each attacking other creature from Mirrodin. Uh, I'm blanking on the ability. Doesn't matter. Um, battle cry. Battle cry. There we Took go. A second. Yeah. So, so basically, the a good rule of thumb, okay, for for players to remember. Now, in the IPG, we've got this big long list of, and when I say big long list, it's like four four categories of when a trigger is considered missed. But it basically all boils down to um, the trigger has happened until you have evidence that it didn't. Okay, so if it requires a target and you go past the point where targets would be declared, you have evidence that it didn't happen. Okay, if it involves putting counters on things and you move the past the point where you would put counters on things and they didn't put counters on, that's evidence that it didn't happen. Now, invisible things like gets plus one, plus one, or gets plus three, plus three, and trample until end of turn, those things are more or less invisible. Okay, and again, you assume they happen until you have evidence that they didn't and evidence that they didn't. Like if I attack you with a one one creature okay, that has prowess and I cast a, a random whatever spell in combat. Okay, that trigger now it's Schrodinger's trigger, right? Is, is it there? Is it not? So I attack um, and I go take one. I just missed my trigger. But if right. I said take two, then I didn't miss my trigger. But say if you want to ping that creature before damage, well. Sometimes you just got to remind your opponent about their yeah. trigger. Like, so yeah, and then so you you ping that you ping that creature right. You, so I attack, I cast a spell during combat. You block some stuff, and now you want to ping it for one point of damage, and I don't put it in the graveyard. Well, that's an indication that I remembered my trigger. Right. Why didn't you put that in the graveyard? Oh, because it's a two-two. 
And some, you know, I know some people don't like that because you might just have to say, how big is that creature, right? They say 1-1, one, one, they forgot the trigger. They say 2-2, two, two, they did not forget the trigger. Right. Um, yeah. It's... And hopefully the trigger's not still on the stack. We're not doing any of that kind of weirdness. Right. But... So this is this is a, 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 another case where it's like you, the opponent, you might be like, well, how do I know? You know, well, it's you. Ask, you, the, you don't you, don't try to play that game. Like, how do I know? It's it's one of those things. If you have to ask, then ask. Yeah. You know, don't you try know, to be like, ask. well, I don't know if he got the trigger or not. And I don't want to give away the information of his trigger. Just whatever. You, you're <laughs> right as the opponent is that you get to keep your mouth shut when he misses his trigger. Right. Okay. You do not get the right to, you know, somehow trick him into missing it. Like that's not a right you gain or anything like that. So um, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug the annotated IPG. The missed trigger section is by far the longest section, and we cover so many of these cases and situations and stuff like that. Um, they're all written with exalted because that was <coughs> that was this that was the um, the triggered ability du jour uh, at the time. But uh, uh, yeah. Dude, you it's, assume it happened until it didn't. If you need to know the specific timing, well, you have to ask. And if you give if you give away the fact that your opponent missed his trigger, well, guess what? That trigger was supposed to happen anyway. Womp womp. All right, next email. I've seen this question so many times. Um, it's from Thomas, and it's about the card Force Away, which reads: Return target creature to its owner's hand. Ferocious. If you control a creature with power four or greater, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. I like Com- this card in limited. As a Com- side note. Also, I yeah. love the limited format. Oh my god, it's amazing. But this is a limit, great limited format. Continue. I'm sorry. I haven't played it. No, that's fine. Um, so basically, his question boils down to: I have one creature in play. It's a four-four. I cast um, Force Away on it. Do I get to draw a card or not? <laughs> uh, the answer is no. No, you don't. Uh, Why is that? Because you follow the instructions in the card in order. And by mm-hmm. the time you get to the part that says ferocious, do this thing, you no longer control a creature that has four, uh, four toughness. Or is it power? Toughness, uh, right? Uh, power. Power. Oh, it's power. My bad. Anyway, you no longer control a creature yeah. with four power. Yep, that's it. I think that's the main part most people are missing is you just do the things in order. Um, yeah. This might come up. Oh, sorry. No, it won't. I don't say it might come up with the charms, but then I was like, oh, wait, you'll choose one on those. Uh, but the old commands, it, it would come up. You just do the effects in order. Yep. And that's it. Unless uh, it's a self-replacement effect. Right. Like, if it's a replacement effect, I don't know, it kind of stands out more. Because it'll say, you do this instead. And it's very clear yes. that you would do it instead. And and then that one weird fight card says, it does this before that, whatever. It's It explicitly states it. But if there's nothing telling you to do it instead or before something else, then you just do it in order. Cool. Still cool. one last question. Which one? It's about Sarkin. Before we actually get into this, I do want to talk about that Ash Cloud, Ash Cloud Phoenix, because nobody sent in a question about it, but I've seen a lot about it too. Okay. This card, uh, to be honest with you. Huh? I don't strong. know this card. Oh, yeah, I'm about to read. Oh, it's Ash Cloud Phoenix. It's a 4 1 flying. Uh, when Ash Cloud Phoenix dies, return it to the battlefield face down. And then when it is turned face up, it deals two damage to each player. The question I see the most is if it's already face down and it dies, does it come back? Uh, so I want to give everyone a little tip about evaluating cards and whether or not things work within the rules. If something creates an infinite combo, sack combo, all by itself, it doesn't work. That doesn't <laughs> work. 
how you want it to work. There's no way they don't print cards that do that. If it's uh, too good, to, if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. Yes, correct. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if if Ashcloud Phoenix dies as a face down card, then it has no abilities. When it dies, it has no abilities to trigger the fact that it died, yeah. and you won't get it back. Yeah. So so. What's what we call it's called zone change triggers, uh, uh, specifically leaves the battlefield triggers. Um, they look at the object, they kind of look back in time to see what the object was and see what the object looked like to determine what the triggers were. So, in this particular case, yes, the phoenix is in the graveyard, but we look back to see what it looked like when it was on the battlefield. And when it was on the battlefield, it was just a 2-2 morph dude. Right. It had like one of those little token cards on top of it, and all it says is 2-2. I think people think this thing up, and they're like, oh, man, Wizards didn't catch this or something. Like, but trust me, Wizards caught it. They catch it. Like, they, I, I don't know. I don't know why people think that. It's, it's, probably, it's, it's probably what happens is, oh, this is awesome, and they want it to be true. Yeah. So they ask just, it's like, ah, I'm like 98% sure that this isn't the case, but boy, that 2% chance that I'm wrong, this thing's going to be awesome. Yeah. So let me ask, because I want that 2% to be true. Sure. Don't we all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk about an old deck I had basically based on that 2%, but that's fine. Um, all right. So this final email, uh, they signed it just as CF, so that's all I'll say. Um <laughs> <laughs> Rel um, okay, so I use the new Sarkins plus one ability to become a creature and then play Clever Impersonator. So the new Sarkin um, plus one. Until in turn, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker becomes a legendary 4-4 red dragon creature with flying, indestructible, and haste. Noted is no longer a planeswalker. Uh, then they play Clever, Clever Impersonator, choosing to copy Sarkin the Dragon. What do they get? Applause. Yes. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Yes. Uh, and? Oh, and and uh, and uh, in a clever impersonator uh, uh, impersonating Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, the Planeswalker. Yeah, and they get to keep them both until end of turn. Right. Yep. So they have they have both a Planeswalker and a creature that have the same name, but one of them is a Planeswalker and one of them is a creature, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Exactly. All right. It's a legendary creature. It's all so. sorts of flavor. The whole world warps. And twists and and everything's fine until cleanup happens. Maybe they did that because it's a time travel block, and one of them represents one Sarkin, and another one represents a different Sarkin so, from so, different timelines. So uh, I was listening to I forget which podcast. Uh, it might have been the Mana Pool, and they came up with a suggestion that just blew my mind for this time the time travel block, and I bet this is it. So I'm gonna give them. The, the idea, and you guys might say, be like, oh, well, duh. So we know it's a time travel block, and they've got that whole weird block structure thing where it's like we'll be able to draft the first set with the second and the second mm -hmm. with the third, but not all three together. Mm -hmm. It's They're going gonna go back in time in the second set and do something, mm -hmm. and then time's going to go forward back to the, the third set. It'll be back in current day, and it'll be all different because they, they, uh, they, they, they kissed his mom. At the fish under the sea dance, right. <laughs> and they played the, the Johnny B Johnny B Good, and they punched out Biff and and stuff like that. So Biff is I mean, really Ugin. I got bad news for you, Brian. That's always what I assumed was going to happen. Well, you're also flavor overlord, right? <laughs> I also love time travel. I love all time travel movies except Back to the Future. It's kind of boring. But also, <laughs> what? 
Um, yeah, so no, no, no. A lot of time travel kind of purists really don't like Back to the Future. No, because it, it doesn't make sense. Why do you start to fade away slowly? Yeah, exactly. That's why. Like because <laughs> you it, because just it, cease it, to exist, because, or you because their their argument is that that time travel, which of course already doesn't make sense, has to make sense in a given set of rules that they arbitrarily made up. So yes, yeah, I have Terminator style time travel or whatever. Anyway, um, but. The point is, point is, Mark Rosewater also said this in one of his podcasts. So you deal with that. Oh, did he say the same thing? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, really? All right. So the second question here, this guy has Sarkin animated and they play Sakashima the Imposter. So Sakashima the Imposter, I'll summarize, uh, is, a, is a clone, but Sakashima keeps her, looks like her, keeps her name and also has this ability to bounce herself. So what do they get in that case? They get a planeswalker named Shaka Sakashima. Sakashima the imposter. Sakashima. And it has all of Sarkhan's abilities plus that little bouncy bounce thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens at the end of turn? Nothing. At the end of turn, I... they had different names, dude. No, actually, that's not correct. So <laughs> No, because so what happens is uh what it goes back to being a planeswalker. Oh, you now have two planeswalkers yeah, same right. planeswalker same types. type. Oh. Because we don't just care about name. Uh, his, the Sakashima is throwing you off because it's always oh, a legendary creature. No, it doesn't matter. Oh, you got me. <laughs> and then Brian ended his reply. But that still doesn't get you a 12th gate for Mazes in. Nope. <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> like, what, a, what an old reference at this point. Well, I mean, I trust I trust the fact that everyone's gone back and listened to, to all the old to every episode. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for email. Uh, I didn't have any news to talk about. You guys got any news? Uh. Yes. Uh, so the the September mailings for the Judge Land things for the people who have who did had insufficient addresses are going to be going out yeah. soon uh, within the next two weeks. Uh, there was about seven hundred about seven hundred judges that fell into this category of having a uh, of of having the the stuff returned. Uh, so please go onto the forums. There is a thread with all the FAQ stuff for the promo lands. Read it. Don't ask questions <laughs> on the forums. Don't ask questions to the Twitter account or the Facebook. Follow the instructions in that email thread or in the forum thread because um, I've actually just started answering questions with dot, dot, dot. Good. Just a glare. I'm done. All right. Well, if you want to get your own dot, dot, dot from Brian Prilliman, yes, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash gmail. Uh, <laughs> twitter.com slash judgecast slash gmail. And Facebook is facebook.com slash thejudgecast. Don't forget our MySpace. Look us up. <laughs> we have MySpace? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we definitely don't have a MySpace. We don't even have a Google Plus. We definitely don't have a MySpace. Do we have a Friendster account? Uh, no, unfortunately not. So Nor do we have an Elo. Things, I'm gonna have to go claim them. Well, Friendster is now just a video, like a game website. So sure, sure. So we're safe on that one. All right, guys. Well, that's everything. It was a great show. My wife is dancing outside for some reason. It's like a weird fish dance, though. It's weird. I don't get it. I guess that means the episode's over. Okay. <laughs> guess anything else you want to add? No. No, All right. I, I want to thank you guys for being my co-host forever, and I want to thank everyone for listening. My name's CJ Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman. I make like a tree and get out of here.
even though I always took Santa as fact, um, Easter Bunny, I was like, that's insane. <laughs> like, for some reason, that one was never going to happen. No, not at all. Flying well, reindeer? I could buy that. Easter yeah. Bunny with eggs? Doesn't no, make sense. it makes no I sense. I don't get rabbit eggs. These things have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> 